Welcome to the Husband Material Podcast, where we help Christian men outgrow porn. Why? So you can change your brain, heal your heart, and save your relationship. My name is Drew Boa, and I'm here to show you how. Let's go. Today, we are talking about vulnerability because I have never met a single man who said that his father or other men in his life showed him and taught him how to be truly vulnerable. This is a huge gap in our education, in our development, in our growth. And I think it's one of the reasons why so many of us struggle with porn. So what does it really look like to be vulnerable? What is true vulnerability? Why is it so important? And the question that I've been receiving a lot lately, especially in preparation for this episode, is who can I trust? Where is it safe to be vulnerable? How can I know how much to share when it's appropriate? And then practically, how can I actually be vulnerable? These are really important questions. So tonight, you will get answers. And this is a live episode. So if you are listening to the podcast recording, please know that there's also a video. There's actually a video for each episode of Husband Material, and they get posted at husbandmaterial.com. They get posted on YouTube. And for these live episodes, you can actually join me live, like many men are doing right now, and be a part of this and ask your questions. And then in the Husband Material community, we talk about it. So there are lots of opportunities to engage here. And for those of you who are with me, welcome. I want to begin by asking you a question. What do you associate with vulnerability? Choose one word, maybe the first word that comes to mind. Weakness, courage, shame, being real, scary, surrender, transparent, openness, trust, Honesty, reality, openness, true freedom, (laughs) upfront, anxiety. Man, I resonate with that one. My word would be terrifying. Being real about my struggles and who I am inside. Confidence. Takes confidence to be vulnerable. Or desperation. Letting others see the little boy inside. Wow. That last one, that last one speaks to my heart. So as you can tell, vulnerability brings out a lot. For some of us, we have a positive association. We think, yes, I need more vulnerability. Vulnerability is what leads to freedom. Vulnerability is what leads to healing. And for others of us, vulnerability feels so uncomfortable. In fact, it's overwhelming. And some of us have experienced what might be called a vulnerability hangover where you were really vulnerable and then you regretted it later and you wish you hadn't been. And maybe you've been hurt so many times that vulnerability just seems like a liability at this point. And whatever your association is, I want you to know that In this presentation, I'm going to be sensitive to wherever you're at because I believe vulnerability should never be forced. It can be invited. It can be modeled and demonstrated. 
but it should never, ever be forced upon someone. And sometimes we do find ourselves in a state of vulnerability that we didn't choose. And in those situations, we are more than just vulnerable. We are powerless. But when we choose vulnerability, when we allow ourselves to be truly vulnerable, it is power. Let's start with the basics. What is vulnerability? The Latin word vulnus, from which we get vulnerability, means wound, hurt, damage. So to be vulnerable is to be woundable. It's to be hurtable. Like someone can hurt me. And that is a huge insight because vulnerability is not the same as transparency. It involves transparency, but it's not the same. Let me explain this with a fun little example. When I go to the zoo here in Santa Barbara and I go to the gorilla exhibit, there is a very thick piece of glass in front of me while I'm looking at the gorillas. That glass is transparent. The gorillas can see out of it. I can see into their exhibit. And sometimes the gorillas run up against the glass and they bang on it with their fists. I was in there with my four-year-old daughter when she was two years old and they banged on it and it was kind of traumatizing to her. It's scary for a two-year-old, but for me, it's safe. It's easy. There's transparency because we can see and be seen, but there's not vulnerability unless the thick glass were to break. So that's an example of transparency without vulnerability. There's an awareness. There's, in some ways, a risk of being seen, but it doesn't mean much because there's a barrier in the way. And whoever's on the other side of that glass doesn't ultimately have access to me. They can't hurt me. Vulnerability means being in the exhibit with the gorilla. And hopefully you're with someone who is safer than a gorilla. <laughs> That's why vulnerability is terrifying to me because it actually gives another person or a group of people the ability to hurt you. And that's why it's so important to be selective about who gets access to our vulnerability. Now, you might think to yourself, why would anyone want to do that? Why would anyone want to willingly put themselves in a position where they can be hurt? Because unless we open ourselves to the possibility of being hurt again, we are closed to the possibility of being healed. If we do choose to be vulnerable. If I get into the exhibit with a gorilla, so to speak, metaphorically speaking, if I allow another person to come so close to me and to have access to the inner workings of myself and my heart and my sexuality, if I do that, the cultural narratives around us would have me think that's a weakness. 
It's the opposite. It is strength. It is courage. It is unparalleled power. We see that most of all in Jesus Christ. And I see it with the men who I work with almost every day, especially in our husband material groups. When men open up, when men reveal what's on the inside to the point that depending on how this other person responds, it could be harmful or healing. When this happens, it is so beautiful. It is so powerful. It is so courageous and it's dangerous. It's a risk every single time. There's a great quote from C.S. Lewis about this. He says, to love at all is to be vulnerable. To love at all is to be vulnerable. Love anything and your heart will certainly be wrung and possibly be broken. If you want to make sure of keeping it intact, you must give your heart to no one, not even to an animal. Wrap it carefully round with hobbies and little luxuries. Avoid all entanglements. Lock it up safe in the casket or coffin of your selfishness. But in that casket, safe, dark, motionless, airless, it will change. Your heart will not be broken. It will become unbreakable, impenetrable, irredeemable. The whole point of that is that love itself is vulnerable. So this is the biggest reason, I believe, why vulnerability is incredibly important, why each of us needs to embrace it in an environment we can trust. It's because without vulnerability, we can't love and we can't be loved. Transparency is part of vulnerability, allowing someone to see me, allowing someone to actually have access to me touch me emotionally to change me even that is vulnerable and without it we can't be loved without it we can't love i love this quote from john lynch one of the co-authors of the book the cure he said nobody told me when i wear a mask only the mask receives love Gentlemen, we are outgrowing pornography. And in order to heal, in order to be free, in order to really see changes, there's nothing more important than being loved. And that can't happen without vulnerability. Another way to look at it is, is to think about if you have a wound beneath the skin, it has to be opened up before it can heal. That skin has to be broken. There has to be pain. There has to be risk. There has to be a, a tearing open of, of what's on the surface so you can actually get down to what's down there. So we can get underneath the surface level symptoms of our sexual behavior and down into the childhood experiences, down below the triggers into the trauma, down into our specific particular fantasies and attractions and arousal when we can be opened up 
in some of those areas, it invites the possibility of further harm if there's not enough safety, but in a place where there's confidentiality and curiosity and compassion, that's the way to healing, my friends, to being wholehearted. There's a great video, a TED Talk by Brene Brown about vulnerability. It's received millions of views. It's so great. And it talks about how the most wholehearted people in the world all have one thing in common, vulnerability. They assume that they are loved enough to open themselves, to give others access to being more than just uh, transparent and letting you see things that are real, but actually allowing you to come inside and walk around my heart and see the ugly places and see the messy places and see the broken places and, and maybe even touch them to hold them. That's the kind of community that I'm trying to create here at Husband Material. And we're not doing it perfectly. We're learning. And one of the things that many of you are asking right now is, is who should I choose to be vulnerable with? Who can I trust? And my answer is, just like what C.S. Lewis said, you will get hurt in this process. The question is, when you do get hurt, is this the kind of person who you're going to be able to navigate conflict with a tone of love and listening? Is this the kind of person who is in it with you, willing to work through the mess and the difficulty of it? Who should you choose to be vulnerable with? Primarily people who you deeply trust. And that takes time. You can't just earn somebody's vulnerability in a moment. It takes a little bit of consistency. It takes curiosity rather than being critical of one another. It takes compassion rather than condemnation. And when you see people who have these qualities, it's a pretty good indication that you can go a little bit deeper with them, take a little bit more of a risk. If they're courageous enough to be vulnerable with you, if you witness their curiosity and compassion, then that gives you a little window into their character and enough confidence to maybe take a step to go a little deeper. So it's important to choose people who have earned your trust. And there's another reason to be vulnerable, which I want to talk about. And that's people who deeply trust you. For example, if you're married, your spouse needs you to be vulnerable. If you have kids, your kids need you to be vulnerable. How I wished my father would have been vulnerable with me, specifically about his sexuality, but really about all areas of life. He was a very even-keeled, impressive, successful man who I admired so deeply. What I wanted was to be able to relate to him, to feel like he and I weren't so different because I perceived this 
huge gap between us. And what I wanted was for him to be vulnerable with me. So what a gift we can give to the next generation by modeling and practicing vulnerability. And also, if you're married, you must know that opening up about your sexual secrets with your wife might not be safe for you, but it is extremely important for you to be a safe person for her. And this is the kind of vulnerability that is best done, not necessarily incrementally. Technically speaking, I would recommend a full process of disclosure. If, if your wife doesn't know anything about your struggle with pornography or, or the specifics of, of your sexuality, you're going to want to get some professional guidance and help to, to facilitate that process. But there's, there's this idea that if I'm vulnerable with her, I'm going to get hurt. She's going to get hurt. Well, the reality is when you get vulnerable with your spouse, the hurt has already been there. You're just giving her the information that she needs to keep herself safe. Choosing to be vulnerable with people who trust you is not about keeping yourself safe. It's about being a safe person for others. So with our partners, with our children, maybe even with our friends, and especially if you're in some kind of ministry leadership, it is incredibly important for us to step boldly into vulnerability so that we can be safe for others. And if you think about the people who have felt most safe to you, odds are it's people who are incredibly vulnerable with their own stories, with their own selves. And that's the kind of leadership that I believe in, that I strive to model, while also realizing that some types of vulnerability can actually be damaging. If I just vulnerability vomit all over the place, um, that might not be honoring to my wife. And I actually had a moment one time when I was speaking live in front of a college with over a thousand students. And I was talking about my wedding night and some of the vulnerable experiences that I had. And my wife was in the audience and she really felt dishonored by the level of vulnerability that I shared. So vulnerability is not always a good thing. And certainly if someone is opening up to you in a vulnerable way that is making you feel unsafe or uncomfortable, that is not a good thing. Vulnerability is not always a good thing. It's important for us to be intentional about it. But the point is, there are two purposes of vulnerability. One is for me to be loved, to heal, to be wholehearted. And there's also the type of vulnerability that others need from us. And this is something that I have recently chosen to do in the husband material community. One week ago, we had the first confidentiality violation that we've had in over two years, which is actually quite impressive, if you ask me. This is the first time confidentiality has been violated that we know about. And immediately after I found out, didn't even hesitate. The very next day, I posted about it in detail with the permission of the person whose confidentiality was violated. And things in the community 
have changed a little bit. I knew that in posting this, in talking about this person whose confidentiality was violated, that some people wouldn't feel safe, that some people might really be hurt, that they might feel less able to be vulnerable. But the reason why I did it was to be a safe person, was to keep this in a safe community. Because if I hide it, maybe everyone else thinks they're safer, but they're really not. So being vulnerable in this context is is not about me keeping myself safe. It's about being the kind of safe person who others can trust, even if it means that I lose some of their trust in the process. So those are some considerations when you're asking, who should I choose to be vulnerable with? People you deeply trust and people who deeply trust you. Receive some questions asking, where is it safe? Like, where is the kind of community that can support the level of vulnerability that I know I need? For example, what about my church? Is it okay for me to share about my experiences of childhood sexual abuse or same-sex attraction or any kind of attachment to porn at my church? And to help you decide that, I want to ask you a question. Is your church more of a museum or is it more of a hospital? In a museum, you show up and you look at all the impressive, pretty exhibits. Uh, you know, maybe there's transparency. You know, maybe you can see people, uh, but there's a thick piece of glass in the middle. When you go into a hospital church, people are struggling. People are suffering. And it's okay. It's actually modeled from up front. Everybody knows that this is not a place for people who have it together. And there's a really great resource that I'm putting in the show notes for this when it comes out by Dr. James Reeves, who has developed a model called Hospital Church. And he spells out what it looks like for a church to be a kind of safe place. Ultimately, the kind of safe environment where the values of confidentiality and curiosity and compassion are practiced is already available here at the Husband Material community. The situation we had with confidentiality being violated has appeared to be an isolated incident related to that specific individual. To my knowledge, there is not a community member who is searching for people who he can take down. And I trust that in time, more men will feel more comfortable opening up again, but realizing that the husband material community can only allow you to create space for those deep relationships to form. If you join the community and you share your story in great detail on the first day, you might feel like you've got a great weight off your chest And that certainly would be practicing an amount of transparency, but there's still a barrier, a big barrier between you and the other people who you've opened up to. And that's okay. Um, Just know that for deeper vulnerability to happen, there has to be deeper access, more relationship. You got to take away the thick piece of glass and be selective about who you allow on the inside.
within the husband material community, people often form smaller groups that meet weekly on Zoom, or they join one of our private small groups, which meet for 12 weeks and go really, really deep into vulnerability. We go into our childhood stories, into our sexual triggers, into our fantasies, and into our deepest desires for redemption. And throughout the process, the level of connection that forms is unbelievable. It's like nothing I've ever experienced, even in person, even in person. And at the end of these 12 weeks, we have a celebration where men just open up to each other about what they have seen in one another. It's a time of verbal affirmation. And I think actually the most vulnerable thing you can do is, is not to open up about your deepest sexual brokenness. I think the most vulnerable part of these groups is at the very end when we celebrate one another and you choose to receive affirmation. You are letting these men touch your heart. In these final group meetings, the tears flow. I've calculated that uh, the average time of my group meetings when we do this is between four and four and a half hours for the final group meeting. And it's because over these 12 weeks, we've gone so deep. We've become so vulnerable with one another that we feel so loved. And there's so much love passing back and forth. We just can't help it. You can't help but love the other men. And, and the most beautiful thing is just to receive it, is just to receive it. And to open ourselves up to that kind of healing, we also have to open ourselves up to being deeply hurt. So we have to be wise about where we risk, where we just choose to be guarded, where we choose to be more transparent, where we choose to be truly vulnerable. So let's get really practical. When you have a group or an individual who you deeply trust, how can you actually begin to practice vulnerability? What does it actually look like? Ultimately, it looks like getting specific. Sometimes we think we're being vulnerable with other guys, but we're actually not. By saying things like, hey man, I messed up, I failed. I acted out with porn again. There's a level of vulnerability there. I would say primarily it's just transparency. But when we can get particular about the details the details of saying, today, my wife left on vacation. I was alone at home and I felt like a little boy again. In fact, I was really beating myself up because I totally made a mess of that presentation that I did yesterday. And now I just want to, I just want to numb myself. In fact, the most vulnerable thing to do is to reach out and allow somebody into those moments when you actually feel triggered in the experience of the arousal of the temptation. Those are the most vulnerable moments where you are in the exhibit with the gorilla. And that's when we need each other the most. Talking about the specific type of porn that that you feel compelled to search for in this moment. That's the level of vulnerability that not everyone can handle. That's a level of vulnerability that you're going to want to be very selective about who you choose 
And maybe you have a bigger circle where you can be somewhat specific. We all need that inner circle of people who we can go to when we need it the most. People who can support us in the specificity, in the particularity of the types of porn, of the emotional triggers, of the specific emotions, the urges, the attractions that we're feeling, and who are going to be able to hold our hearts rather than should all over the place. Too often, porn recovery ministries and so-called accountability partners are just confessing sin and shoulding all over each other. What if we really practice vulnerability and in the moments where we are feeling most dysregulated, reach out and invite somebody in into the arena with us to rumble with us? We might get hurt. Then we have an amazing story to tell about how I was vulnerable and look, I'm still here. I survived about how I was vulnerable and I was still loved, about how I was vulnerable and it, and it actually wasn't weakness. It was courage. It was strength. It was power. You know, one of my favorite verses in the Bible is 2 Corinthians 12, 9, where Jesus says to Paul, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness. And then Paul says, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest on me. That is the foundation for me of truly vulnerable power. I'm going to be real. I'm going to be open about my weaknesses. I'm going to boast about them even. I'm going to, I'm going to prioritize them so other people can see. And I'm going to do it in a way that doesn't make me look good. I'm going to do it in a way that invites the power of Christ to come to me and through me to other people. So here is a little example from my life of something that came up in November three months ago that invited me to a new level of vulnerability. I'm sharing it three months later, specifically because I felt like in the moment, the community wouldn't feel as safe if I shared it when it was happening. So I'm sharing it now to provide a little bit more safety and protection for you guys. And I'm not going to be as specific as I could be because this is not my safe place. My safest place is with my wife. And part of that is specifically because she has never experienced betrayal trauma from my unwanted sexual behavior. Another one of my safe places is with the husband material coaches. So when this happened, I went to them. It was three months ago that I experienced a sexual attraction to a type of person who I had never met before. I had never met this type of person. And I never knew that I would be sexually attracted to this type of person. And it was really alarming to me. It was disturbing to me. It was difficult. 
And the first thing I did was I told Rebecca, my wife, because I knew that even though it's uncomfortable for her, she has invited me to be real with her about those kinds of things. And I shared as much as she wanted to know. I gave her full access to my heart. And the next thing I did was I told a couple of the other husband material coaches. It was beautiful. They accepted me. They helped me process it a little bit. And then I actually got to receive a therapy session about it, which was so amazing. And ultimately this, this part of me that held this attraction was really drawn to the other person's vulnerability. There, there was something so beautiful about this person that I actually didn't see in my dad or in my mom. The willingness to possibly be hurt, to possibly be humiliated in order to be truly authentic, in order to create space for being loved. That's actually what this person who I was attracted to was living out in front of me. So of course I was drawn to it. Of course it was appealing to me. And I think that's one of the reasons why I choose to be so vulnerable is because that's what I've desired from others. That's what helps me feel connected to someone else when that person is vulnerable. And so that's what I offer to you all. My own heart, I'm holding it in a way that as much as possible will invite you to feel a little bit more comfortable being vulnerable with people you trust. I'm trying to practice this balance, this dance of having boundaries and also being extremely open. And if you want a little phrase, just a little phrase to help you practice vulnerability with someone, finish this sentence. What I don't want you to know about me is fill in the blank in a setting where there is confidentiality and curiosity and compassion and connection, where there's empathy and validation and consistency built over time. Finish that sentence. Allow yourself to be loved. See what happens. Take a redemptive risk. And you know what? You may even want to ask permission before doing that and say, hey, um, I've been wanting to work on vulnerability. Would you be interested in, in going a little bit deeper with me? Drew gave me this sentence to finish. And the sentence is, what I don't want you to know about me is dot, dot, dot. That's one way to do it. There are a million ways to be vulnerable. This is just vulnerability 101. And wherever you're at with vulnerability, I want to encourage you to take it slow, to be incremental rather than letting it all out at once in a situation that might not actually be safe. Take baby steps one day at a time. Next time you tell your story, reveal just a little bit more. Push yourself to the edge of what you're comfortable with and see how it feels. 
And the more you develop this muscle of vulnerability and the more you develop discernment about where it's safe and who you can really share with and who needs your vulnerability, you're going to grow. You're going to outgrow porn. So guys, my last question for you is what is your next baby step of vulnerability? What is your next step? Just the next one. It doesn't have to be your last step. I hope it's not your last step. And to be very clear, I'm still growing in this whole thing. I'm still leaning into it. Vulnerability is terrifying and liberating. Every time I lead a group, I always tell the guys, I will never ask you to do something which I will not do with you. I will always go first so that all of you can go second and third and fourth and so on. And three weeks ago, I shared a story I'd never told anyone before. I told the story of the day I got braces, which is very important for me if you know more of my story, because that is my sexual fetish. And it was wild and so revealing and so healing. And it was taking me to the next step. And that's what I'm asking you to take or to consider taking. Don't force it. Just see what you're comfortable with and do the next thing. Let's see what guys are saying. Sean says, to share more vulnerably with my wife than I ever have before. It's a big risk. And you want to be wise about how you do that as well. You want to make sure that she feels honored in that process because she may not want to know certain things. When you practice vulnerability and not just transparency, you're saying, I want to know how close you want to get How much do you want to know? And then be willing to share. And be aware that discovery of sexual addiction creates betrayal trauma. And you're going to want to set her up for support and being cared for in that process. Victor says, I wish to find a friend who can accept me. Me too, man. And ultimately, the truest friend, closer than a brother, who is the only person who is fully safe, and yet, in some ways, who is not safe, is the Savior himself, Jesus Christ. He is not safe because he will not leave us as we are. He's safe because he will always love us as we are. And he's also dangerous because he will never leave us the way that he found us. Keith says, I plan to continue to be open and celebrate recovery. And then I plan to join HMA. HMA is an awesome place to be vulnerable, especially to witness the vulnerability of others on our hot seat coaching calls on Trigger Tuesday, on Fantasy Friday. You will see what vulnerability looks like and you will hear it and you will see it modeled for you in a way that we so desperately need. Men weep regularly. 
including me, if I'm in the hot seat. And that's just something that our culture needs more of because we have these narratives about men that we're not supposed to be vulnerable, that we're not supposed to let others in, that we're, that we're supposed to, to be strong. Well, what if true strength means allowing yourself to be possibly wounded? I think that's real courage. I think that's real power. And that's the power of Christ. Donald says, I really don't know what my next step is. I feel like I've scared away too many people with my vulnerability. Here's a little tip for you that can really help and that can really prevent other people from being scared away. It's a very simple bit of languaging that comes from internal family systems. The idea is speaking for a part of you rather than speaking from a part of you. So for example, instead of saying, I feel so ashamed right now. That's the shame speaking. I can say, there's a part of me that feels ashamed right now. That's speaking for the shame on behalf of the shame. And when I do that, I'm not launching my shame at this person. (laughs) I'm giving them a little bit of space from it by saying, there's a part of me. Or for example, I am so frustrated with you would be speaking from frustration. But if I say, man, I love you so much and a part of me is feeling frustrated right now, that is speaking for the frustration. And that can be so helpful for inviting people in rather than what we unintentionally do is push people away, right? Because being vulnerable about your anger is so important. And also you want to do it in a way that's loving and sensitive and kind and speaking for the anger rather than from the anger is one of those vulnerability ninja skills that can really help with that. Here's a question from Miles. Do you have any examples of how to process indifference from others when you've stepped into courage and vulnerability? Yeah, I do. In fact, one of my closest friends in the whole world over the last few years has felt increasingly emotionally unsafe to me. Very little empathy, very little validation. And he recently said some things to me that let me know that I really can't trust him anymore. So his indifference towards my emotional pain has led me to process things with others rather than him. And it's really, really sad to me because this is a guy who I thought I would grow old together with having a deep emotional and spiritual friendship. And it's looking like it's going to be a lot more shallow than I thought. You got to find the men who are willing to be vulnerable themselves, who are willing to try to love you and acknowledge that they might be doing a pretty crummy job of it. I think when we are being vulnerable with others in recovery setting, we need to teach them how to love us well. This is one of the benefits of joining a professionally led husband material group because it's one of the only places where we actually treat it like a workshop 
to where everybody in this group is going to be growing in curiosity and compassion and courage. And we're going to get it wrong and we're going to make mistakes and that's okay. We are going to teach each other. We are going to learn each other. We're going to give and receive love. We're not going to do it perfectly, but it's amazing to have a professional leader kind of guiding you through this. And in groups, sometimes we have guys who should all over each other and that's normal. And we talk about it and we work through it. And sometimes I'm that person who gets a little bit too teachy. Sometimes I'm that person who responds to somebody in a way that felt triggering for them. And the most important thing is not to avoid all ruptures or to try to prevent that from happening as much as possible. The most important thing is to repair, is to come back and say, hey, how did that affect you when I said that? When you opened up, how did you feel? What was that like for you? When this person responded to you, did that feel harsh or did it really resonate with you? We're always checking in. We're always attuning. This is a skill that I don't think you can learn in very many places. And in the husband material community in general, and especially in our small groups, we're practicing. I think we're getting pretty good at it. I see some answers to my question. What is your takeaway from tonight? Keith says, I have never experienced something that seems so tailored to my needs right now. God sent you into my world. Thank you, Keith. I received that. Victor says his takeaway is invite someone to rumble with me, to get hurt and still be here, to let them touch me and heal. Yes, to let them touch you emotionally in a safe and kind and gentle way. Jeffrey says, it would be sad to live my whole life without learning to be more vulnerable. It really would be sad. And that is the typical story, I think. What we're doing here is countercultural. The idea that vulnerability is, is power, vulnerability is strength and courage. Yeah, it changes everything. Guys, thank you so much. Your vulnerability is a gift from God to you for your healing and for the healing of everyone around you, especially those who are closest to you. We need our vulnerability and they need our vulnerability. And we have to be wise. We have to be discerning about how to do that. And when we do, just like Jesus said, his power is made perfect in us. Always remember, my friend, you are God's beloved son. In you, he is well-pleased. Well-pleased.